Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the podcast of Legends, Book 12, Chapter 12, If Pierre was pardoned. Why is he still being imprisoned? And what will happen to him next? Why is Pierre so fascinated with the simple actions of the little man, Platon? And Platon offers lots of clever wisdom in this chapter. What turn of phrase was your favourite? Ripster 66 says, once again, Pierre's world has collapsed and is being built rebuilt. (laughs) He's had these huge existential moments a couple of times already, and it feels like he's more in tune with what is happening to him this time. Fickle fate has played a huge role in his life, and he barely escaped execution, and is placed next to a wise peasant with an interesting way, view of life, and gratitude for all he's been through. Pierre could learn a lot from him, and I hope he does. I fear he could slip into one of his funks, though, and just sleepwalk through the next few chapters. Oh, Pierre. It's just a perpetual um, epiphany kind of guy, isn't he? Epiphany? Maybe not the best word. Might not be the best word, but he's perpetually just, you know, changing and learning and, you know, getting in over his head. Hey, this is cool. Um, Hello, says some time in the past. I just started reading this in June, so it's been a heck of a journey catching up. I've read every thread, and it's been a lot of fun seeing everyone's opinions unfold alongside my own. I'm excited to join in with you. Pierre, 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 I love this chapter, but I've been fully exasperated by him at all times until today. Hey, by the way, before I keep reading, welcome. Thanks for catching up. Exciting to have a new voice, even this late in the game. It's nearly October, and we've got a new voice chiming in, so awesome. Love that. Uh, For once, Pierre seems to be having a normal reaction to something. The war has really stripped away every silly high notion he had, given him consequences for his bumbling around, and brought him down to earth. He doesn't deserve it, poor thing. He has a kind heart, and I'd rather be tearing my hair out yelling just don't marry her than seeing him at rock bottom like this i hope this is a chance for pierre to build some real substance in himself out of the horror platon seems like a solid guy feet firmly planted in reality yet imbued with optimism pierre could learn a lot from him christopher lee says completely off topic but i just started this book chapter 26 and i'm hoping to finish by the end of the year just wanted to thank everyone for these threads and discussions i've been using the catch-up page religiously to make sure I understand everything as I'm going along. I'll not read any of this thread or the comments to make sure I don't ruin anything, but just wanted to thank everyone for their contributions and comments going back over the years. Wow, that's cool. Another one, Christopher Lee. Uh, welcome. Great to have you on board. Good luck with the catch-up. Okay. i keep reading now. I'm going to keep reading now. Book 12, Chapter 13 goes like this. 23 soldiers, three officers and two officials were confined in the shed in which Pierre had been placed and where he remained for four weeks. When Pierre remembered them afterwards, they all seemed misty figures to him except for Platon Karatiev, who always remained in his mind a most vivid and precious memory and a personification of everything Russian kindly and round. When Pierre saw his neighbour next morning at dawn, the first impression of him as of something round was fully confirmed. 
Platon's whole figure in a French overcoat girdled with a cord, a soldier's cap and bast shoes, was round. His head was quite round, his back, chest and shoulders, even his arms, which he howled as if ever ready to embrace something, were rounded. His pleasant smile and his large, gentle brown eyes were also round. Platon Karatiev must have been 50, judging by his stories of campaigns he had been in, told us by one, by an old soldier. He did not himself know his age and was quite unable to determine it, but his brilliantly white, strong teeth, which showed in two unbroken semicircles when he laughed, as he often did, were all sound and good. There was not a grey hair in his beard or on his head, and his whole body gave an impression of suppleness and especially of firmness and endurance. His face, despite its fine, rounded wrinkles, had an expression of innocence and youth. His voice was pleasant and musical, but the chief peculiarity of his speech was its directness and appositeness. It was evident that he never considered that what he had said or was going to say, and consequently the rapidity and justice of his intonation had an irresistible persuasiveness. His physical strength and agility during the first days of his imprisonment were such that he seemed not to know what figure and sickness meant. Sorry, what fatigue and sickness meant. Every night before lying down, he said, Lord, lay me down as a stone and raise me up as a loaf. And every morning on getting up, he said, I lay down and curled up, I get up and shake myself. And indeed, he only had to lie down to fall asleep like a stone, and he only had to shake himself to be ready without a moment's delay for some work, just as children are ready to play directly as they wake up. He could do everything, not very well, but not badly. He baked, cooked, sewed, planed, and mended boots, he was always busy, and only at night allowed himself conversation, of which he was fond, and songs. He did not sing like a trained singer who knows he is listened to, but like the birds, evidently giving vent to the sounds in the same way that one stretches oneself or walks about to get rid of stiffness. And the sounds were always high-pitched, mournful, delicate, and almost feminine, and his face at such times was very serious. <clears throat> serious. <clears throat> Having been taken prisoner and allowed his beard to grow, he seemed to have thrown off all that had been forced upon him, everything military and alien to himself, and had returned to his former peasant habits. A soldier on leave, a shirt outside breeches, he would say. He did not like talking about his life as a soldier, though he did not complain, and often mentioned that he had not been flogged once during the whole of his army servants service. When he related anything, it was generally some old and evidently precious memory of his Christian life, as he called his peasant existence. The proverbs, of which his talk was full, were for the most part not the coarse and indecent sores soldiers employ, but those folk sayings which taken without a context seemed so insignificant, but when used appositely, suddenly acquired a significance of profound wisdom. He would often say the exact opposite of what he had said on a previous occasion, yet both would be right. He liked to talk, and he talked well, adorning his speech with terms of endearment and with folk sayings which Pierre, Pierre thought he invented himself. But the chief charm of his talk lay in the fact that they, sorry, the fact that the commonest events, sometimes just such Pierre had witnessed without taking notice of them, assumed in Karatev's character of solemn fitness. He liked to hear the folk tales. One of the soldiers used to tell of an evening, they were always the same, but most of all he liked to hear stories of real life. He would smile joyfully when listening to such stories, now and then putting in a word or asking a question to make a moral beauty of what he was told clear to himself. 
Karatev had no attachments, friendships or love as Pierre understood them, but loved and lived affectionately with everything life brought him in contact with, particularly with man, not any particular man, but those with whom he happened to be. He loved his dog, his comrades, the French, and Pierre, who was his neighbour. But Pierre felt that in spite of Karatev's affectionate tenderness for him, by which he unconsciously gave Pierre's spiritual life its due, he would not have grieved for a moment at parting from him, and Pierre began to feel in the same way towards Karatev. To all the other prisoners, Platon Karatev seemed a most ordinary soldier. They called him Little Falcon, or Platosha, chafed him good-naturedly and sent him on errands, but to Pierre he always remained what he had seemed at that first night, an unfathomable, rounded, eternal personification of the spirit of simplicity and truth. Platon Karatev knew nothing by heart except his prayers. When he began to speak, he seemed not to know how he would conclude. Sometimes Pierre, struck by the meaning of his words, would ask him to repeat them, but Platon could never recall what he had said a moment before, just as he could never repeat to Pierre the words of his favourite song, Native and Birch. Tree, and my heart is sick, occurred in it, but when spoken and not sung, no meaning could be got out of it. He did not and could not understand the meaning of words apart from their context. Every word and action of his was manifestation of an activity unknown to him, which was his life. But his life, as he regarded it, had no meaning as a separate thing. It had meaning only as part of a whole of which he was always conscious. His words and actions flowed from him as evenly, inevitably and spontaneously as fragrance exhales from a flower. He could not understand the value or significance of any word or deed taken separately. Alright, there's a little intro to this new character, Platon Karatev. Seems like a good influence for Pierre. Alright, that's the chapter. Have your say on the subreddit and I, I will uh, see you tomorrow.